BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Ooh, wrong screen, but you can hear me though. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Trapper Dive Podcast, man. I am your host, Molly Mo. Coach Mo, Hendo Mo, all that good stuff, man. And um, listen, we are here previewing Commander Seahawks this episode. Hey, Brad, if this yak got in your eye, that'd been a problem. <laughs> um, I see AJ in the back row. I mean, backstage, we want to bring him up in a second, but administrator items. If you are new to the Trapper Dive podcast, we definitely appreciate you t- tapping in for the first time. Um, give us a like or a follow, depending on which platform you listen to. Subscribe. Um, if you haven't given a rating or review on the podcast side, we definitely appreciate you doing so. Uh, we see the Spotify side going up too in terms of reviews so, or, 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 um, rating. So we definitely appreciate that. Um, film session, uh, Al two what's going on with you, big dog. Um, film session, uh, this week won't be on YouTube, but it will be on, and it, it was supposed to be out today, but it's going to be out tomorrow. Um, but, uh, film session will be up on the Hogs Haven platform uh, tomorrow. I, I can't even tell you what time, but it's gonna be before. It's gonna be before one p.m. One p.m. Eastern. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll have a film session up this week. Uh, I just won't be on the YouTube side. Um, and I think that is that for administrative items. 
you know, we have Stacy Joe Ross that's checking in um, from the Seattle side of things. Uh, she was on, if you were OG Tropodive member, uh, as as Hawk calls them, the, the, the morning trappers or the trappers, um, Stacy was on a couple seasons ago when Washington played them uh, at home on Monday night, I believe. And that interesting, that conversation was so interesting because like she got his hip to like how serious the 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 conversation and, and, and situation was with Russell Wilson in Seattle. And a few months later, that man is on his way to Denver. So uh, she's going to be joining us um, a little bit later in the show. Uh, we'll chop it up with her, get her thoughts on uh, post post Russell Wilson era and into the Geno Smith era. Magic, what's going on with you, big dog? Let's go ahead and bring AJ up. See how AJ is doing, talk some ball. You know, it's also another thing that's actually – what you doing, bro? It's another thing that's actually throwing me because um, I, I wasn't on Twitter that much today, but what did I what what did I walk into? Um, I walked into <laughs> debates about Sam Howe saving Rivera's job. Um, I, I don't know what everybody's been saying online. Uh, I, I can't can't tell you. I, I don't know too much about it, but um. I'll have some – I got some thoughts on that. Also ran into a, a Sam Howe step that John Kahn posted, so uh, I want to talk about that as well for a second. Um, but anyway, AJ is checking in right now. What's going on with you, big dog? How you feeling? Man, not much, man. Just uh, glad to be here. Uh, see another day. Just uh, ready to talk some ball. Yes, sir, man. It's, that's that's always a blessing. Seeing another day, man. I can't even complain about that either. Um, it, it's crazy that you mentioned that because, like, some things happening in in my close circle uh, that that some people are going through, like a real real situation. So, like, you saying that now is is very it's a very simple thing, but like people don't realize, like sometimes that that type of shit hold weight, bro. So I I, I am very blessed uh, and and fortunate uh to to be here so i'll just leave it at that i don't want to dive too deep on the on the podcast with that situation but you're not wrong at all man um al too i see you magic i see you monty i see you hey the morning show look man the audit picked up bro I, well oh y'all don't even know what i do but um yeah, i gotta <laughs> I, I gotta i gotta the day job bro it, it 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 didn't it didn't took over just put it that way but um I don't think it's out the, the the morning show. I don't think it's gone just yet, man. Um, unfortunate news is we may be getting furloughed next week, but uh, I gotta find a way to stay busy. So there you go. Um, if we get furloughed, you kind of figure out. You can kind of put the clues together. I may be back around for the morning shows, man. Um, okay. So like I said, Stacy's gonna be joining us soon. Uh, but in the meantime, let's catch up on some commanders news aj have you been online today at all uh yeah i've been online but i ain't even gonna front bro i've been trying to disengage as much as possible unless it's this show with sam how uh there's nothing wrong with that at all yeah i just i hate talking about mid so much bro like so <laughs> you know you know how i am like at the end of the day I'm not trying to hear nobody arguments about no top 15 uh, I ain't trying. I, I did see a tweet. I think maybe Grant Paulson started it. Honestly, that's probably where I seen the tweet. I think he 
either highlighted an article or something in reference to Ron Rivera's job could possibly be saved by Sam Howell's player. I don't really know. Oh, that's where I could it started. be speaking inaccurately. But either way, you got to be a complete blind fool. You got to be Stevie Wonder, Ray Charles, any blind man or woman if you think Ron Rivera has a chance to save his job and stay for another year. Uh, yeah, because I was saying, so, I think even before today, I seen a couple tweets or whatever from like media pundits even projecting that, you know, what Josh Harris has done in the past with the 76ers or the Devils. I'm like, those are two different sports, like two different sports. There's no way in hell Ron Rivera can save his job. And I so, said this before, before we even got into wins and losses counting. <laughs> so so let's let's kind of peel back the onion then. Um and let's peel back the onion from a perspective of like how can it get done? And then uh also the reasons why it won't get or the reasons why it, it likely won't get done, right? Um there one thing I learned, and I actually learned this from Dre, so it's kind of crazy, you know, he ain't here just yet. Oh, boom, there you go. <laughs> perfect, perfect timing. Because I was just about to bring up something that I learned from him a long time ago. Been following that man for a minute. Let's go ahead and bring Dre on. Boom, there he goes. Dre, what's going on with you, big dog? How you feeling, bro? It's good, bro. Man, how y'all feeling, man? Everything good? <laughs> Everything good, man. I was going to text you, but I'd rather just show you, you know, you ain't the only, I don't know what you on today, but you know what I'm saying? You ain't the only one on this episode, my brother. Hey, say no more. I appreciate I'm mixing that, a little you know. bit. You know, I, I don't really, I don't really do the mixing, but today I, I, I'm doing it, man, just to, just to get through the show. Um, But look though, so we had a conversation, we were in a conversation about like, so I, I wasn't on Twitter that much today, Um, background, and when I opened up Twitter, like before we started the show, just catching up on what people were saying, um, I ran into conversations about Sam Howe, like the idea, not necessarily it, it actually happening, but the idea of Sam Howe possibly saving Ron, Ron's job. Um, and um, we're getting into that right now in the sense of Dakota move, move. Um, in the sense of. Uh, like laying out how it can happen and then also laying out likely why it won't happen. Right. And I remember this conversation that you said online when Washington, uh, no, Josh Norman had just got cut from the Carolina Panthers. And I know I was like, bro, it's not happening. Like I was, I was sold that it wasn't happening. And I never forget your tweet, bro. Dre, you said, you said, um, I shouldn't say verbatim. I mean, I, it's not verbatim, but you basically said, never say never. You don't know what's about to happen with, with Josh Norman. Just like you were just telling the fan base, like, don't say never because, like, you you had knew that there was a chance. Um, Lo and behold, Washington signed him, things like that. And, AJ, to, to bring this all the way back around is there's always a way that, that Ron can stay. Um, I don't think that when we when you talk about percent chance – we ain't talking about like a 90% chance that he stays. Like it may be like three to five percent, maybe ten percent. Um, and, and depending on the way the rest of the season go, he may he may even bump it up to 20%. Um, but I think one of the ways that you 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 look at Ron Rivera and and how he's handling this season, um, is like you really have to 
first and foremost, not about it's not gonna be about statistics anymore. Like your offense isn't a top 10 unit, your defense isn't a top 10 unit, you don't have anything to stand on uh in terms of like a, a unit uh on either side of the football, right? But at this point, it just comes down to winning games to run. Um, but you gotta look good at running games, you gotta find a way to to make your way into the playoffs, but not only make your way into the playoffs, you gotta win it win a football game in the playoffs. Um, and I think that's going to be your strongest pitch ever for Ron Rivera, despite what he says in the, in the, the media about like Sam Howell doing this, Sam Howell doing that. We're building about building around Sam Howell, and it's all about his development. Despite everything that he's saying in the media, um, at this point in the season, knowing how both units have been inconsistent, let alone the defense just completely failing you for the most part of the season, um, you just got to win. I think that's the only way that you stay – in terms of whether it's like head coaching role or even in another capacity, that's the only way that you find yourself in year five with the Washington commanders. Um, I'm going to hand the floor to you all again. We're, we're talking about, we're, we're going to go to the other side, but we're talking about ways in which he can, he can actually stay. Um, and I give the floor to y'all. What do y'all think about at least how I said it, or if you all have anything else? I mean, I'll, I'll stay consistent with, what I've been saying since the the season ended and we knew that ownership change was coming, that there is no way in hell that Ron Rivera can save his job. Because even if you want to bring in a, a infrastructure of uh, player personnel manager, GM, whatever the case is, that's not their guy. And from a philosophy standpoint, what we've seen from Ron Rivera before even coming to Washington and his tenureship in Washington it's going to be very hard for him to align himself with a general manager that is of this century uh, that has a different type of approach and doesn't come from the Carolina Panthers thought process of, of how they did things and is someone that would ultimately be his boss in his dynamic right now in Washington. He's essentially Mark Mayhew and Mark Hurdy's boss. Uh, that's just the way it is. They answer to him instead of him answering to them uh, because he's the one that brought them into the fold. So just even from that dynamic, whether they they could win the rest of their games or not, uh, general, I mean, like the ownership group is just looking at the total package. I mean, what do you do? What do you bring to the table? Either way, Ron is still in a position to get his money. You feel me? Um you know, go chill out at a beach, maybe go visit the Bahamas, go see some family, you know. Uh, at the end of the day, he will not be the head coach of the Washington Commanders or whatever the name will be going forward. Uh, there's no way in hell that you could possibly bring this man back. And if they even slightly have thought of that or plan to do that, I will I will sit here and say they have they will lose me and many of others as a fan of this organization. Well, um, I just want to acknowledge one thing, man. AJ, you do a lot of you do a you do a really good job of uh like um entertaining um what's the word uh, uh long shot possibilities on this show with the Washington Commanders, and you do a really good job of that and, and bringing that to the forefront about what they should do, even though it's unlikely. Um, and and for you, after we just said we were going to do the pros and the cons of how ron can stay versus like why he likely will go and for you to your first words to say he ain't staying <laughs> that that is a very that is that is that's not surprising but it's also like bruh 
we was gonna get to that point on the con side. Nah, you could you could have waited. You could have waited. You could have waited two minutes. Bro. I can't even play the pro game with with Ron Rivera. Like I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna waste our time or my time or the words. Like I'm not hey. about to. Fake, I'm not about to fake like he got a shot. Like like I said, if this ownership group thinks that they should continue going with him for an additional year, they officially have lost a fan in me and many of others that spend their money with the team are going to disengage themselves from this organization altogether. What's like, to say what's to say that what's to say that they don't strip him of everything except for coaching? Like what's to say that they don't they don't Bruh, entertain that they idea? will lose me. I don't care. They could play. I'm not about you, but I'm saying, like, what's to yeah. say that I'm, Bruh, what I'm that, see, I'm, I see, hey, there you go again. I'm, I'm offering you an, I'm offering you an, an option know, to entertain the conversation. Hear me, hear me and you, out. And you they could keep, put Ron Rivera in the major Tutty costume, bro, and I still <laughs> will disengage from this organization. They could dress him up. They could, they could demote him. They could give him, they could make him a parking attendant at FedEx Field, bro. If he has anything to do with this regime going forward or any association next year, I am out. Deuces. <laughs> well, Larry, what, what you thinking? <laughs> All right. So, I mean, and I'm almost, funny thing is, Maul, I'm almost with AJ on this and that I don't really see any pros to Ron Stan, but I will entertain the question. I mean, the, the real pro to it, I guess, if you, you know, hypothetically say you, you take away all of his duties is that you're keeping, you know, if, he, if the new GM, you know, you strip him of his GM duties, you get a new GM in and he says, all right, we'll keep Ron for one more year. You're at least keeping Sam Howell in a familiar system. Maybe that gives him more confidence going forward. I mean, that's the biggest pro I can see from it is that you're not giving Sam Howell something different or something new to learn. Granted, or assuming that new uh, management wants Sam Howell or wants to at least, you know, keep him around and give him that chance. You know, that doesn't change. But as far as his coaches uh, uh, percentages of being here, I think the percentage is the same as it was before the season started, which is very little. Like I think a lot right has to happen for Ron to come back. And a lot right is things that hasn't usually gone right here. I mean, either whether it's before Ron or while Ron is here. I mean, we've seen the Ron Rivera era. We've seen what happens in it. They usually hover around seven wins, eight wins, somewhere around there. And right now they're kind of on that pace or on that trajectory to go there. So, they have to go out. They have to go to the playoffs for one, for Ron to kind of stay around. You know, they have to also, I think, win a playoff game, at least, at the very least, win one playoff game to have Ron even in that conversation of coming back next year. But, I mean, I just can't see it. I mean, like I said, it's just such a small chance because, I mean, if, if we've been following this team in the Ron era, we kind of see where this is going. I mean, the writing has been on the wall this season. So, I mean, I really don't see much of a chance of it happening. But, hey, to play the pro game, again, I think the pro would be that you keep a Sam Howell in a familiar system. Maybe you build on that. You get a new GM to bring players in. You know, Ron doesn't do much coaching as it is anyway. Right now, everything is a delegation thing. <laughs> I mean, the only thing you got to worry about with him is the clock management, the game management. But all of that, like I said, that ties into just he he shouldn't be around anymore. <laughs> hey, bro, it's so, it's so funny because, like, I know, I know what I know where I stand. Like I, I he don't stand a shot in hell to be back next year. But it's like, I, I think, I think being blindsided by other possibilities. First off, know what I said. 
the the possibility of, of of Washington even becoming a a a really good team, good enough to make the playoffs and have like top ten production from this point on until the end of the season in the offensive side or defensive side, that is a long shot within itself. Now, actually, you know what? I would say it's a long shot defensively. Um, but I wouldn't put it past them to start creeping up in that top 10 range offensively if you start seeing some production, uh, like some consistent production from Sam and and, and B enemy and that whole offense all, all together. Um, here's another question because I'm, I'm gonna move on from Ron Rivera. I'll two say the best. Ron sucks as a head coach, he he, he sucks as a GM. Like well, that, that's it, what I was gonna ask. Is he it, is he a better head coach or GM? Like he ain't good at either. He sucks. Like, he's he trying to either, bro. He's had very little to do here in his time here. Everything has been delegated. Like I said, really the only coaching you kind of expect him to do is the lineup changes, the clock management stuff. And, like, he hasn't done good at that. So it's like I'm just ready to just weep him up out of here, man. <laughs> All right. So, so here's my thing because I mentioned it was something that I was thinking about throughout the – actually throughout the day. Um have we ever seen, because AJ used, before you got on Dre, AJ used the word uh, mid to describe Sam Howell, right? And I was thinking about the I was thinking about the game that CJ Stroud had against the Buccaneers this past week, right? Um, nearly 500 yards passing, uh, what, five touchdowns? Or was it four touchdowns? Um, I don't I think, remember. I think it was five. Um, he threw for like four, a 470, either four or five touchdowns. I can't remember. 470, 400, 400, yeah, crazy game, right? 475 touchdowns, right? Um, I'm going to ask you all this question. You don't have to know for a matter of fact we're, we're spitballing here right off the top of our head. Do you know any quarterback in recent memory who has thrown for 400 yards, four touchdowns, and, and be mid, like, have we ever seen that? Have you ever seen a quarterback like play like not even I, I would say with matter of fact, I'll leave it there because I don't want to confuse anybody. Like, have you ever seen a quarterback play uh play that to that level and then think that they're like a mid quarterback? Like that seems like a that seems like a lot that you're getting done in one game. I, I get a floor to y'all. What, what what about what about you all? Do you have have y'all seen that? I was gonna ask what was Matt Flynn's numbers in Green Bay. Like I remember that game before he went season. to before he went to Russell yeah. Wilson. Um, he threw for four hundred yards. Um, and and I that's why I was like I didn't want to. That's literally the game that I was thinking about. I don't want to confuse y'all because it's like his was out the blue, and mm-hmm. and like he wasn't really a starter. He came in for one one game and he had sporadic starts when Aaron Rodgers was having his little injuries and stuff like that. But he came in for one game and did did numbers against Detroit. Um, so I, that's why I was like I I, I didn't want to like confuse people, but like somebody who's actually a starter or a young starter and, and through those and put those numbers up like CJ Stroud. Have you ever seen somebody do 470, uh, four touchdowns? And I, I just want to say over 400 yards for in, uh, in, in, in multiple touchdowns I, I and, and they be off, mid off the top of my head. Andy Dalton. You think Andy was mid, bro? Hell you saw yeah. When he was younger. <laughs> yeah. He was, ne- he was never a top 10 quarterback. So all right, then that's fair. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was. We would never say that. Never, never. Yeah. Okay. But I thought. But I thought he was consistently. 
But I thought he was consistently like he was never an ass. He was never a terrible quarterback. Like Andy, that's kind of why I'm confused. Like he was consistently like he'll give you he'll give you average to uh, an elite game. Like it was nothing like where it was it was always bad with him. That's kind of where I was stuck at. But yeah, I don't I disagree. Mean, he wasn't talking. We bringing we bringing this up on the fly, so it's like we we don't have no research ahead of time. But I'm trying to I'm trying to hey, see AJ. Like, well, I mean I know we. we I'm about to say, I know we debunked the Matt Flynn thing. Well, we got, Ryan, we got Ryan Fitzpatrick has done it, I believe, from what I pulled up. How many touchdowns? Did so, he but but no, but but I'm talking about young. Like, was he oh, young? young? Yeah, uh, possibly Matt Schaub. Oh, come on, Matt won ass. <laughs> but he was mean. He, he was okay, never okay, elite. Yeah. Matt Schaub okay, was never maybe. Elite. I don't. I don't think. I think he just needs another opportunity. But Jameis Winston. Well, see, that's funny you bring that up because I think Sam's season has kind of looked like a Jameis Winston season in the season. Hey, that ain't like that ain't four hundred though, Mike. <laughs> I mean, uh, Al too. He, he did. He Mike White had a couple three hundred yards. Let, let me let me just spout off. Um, I know I know we debunked the Matt thing. No, no, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get there. No, no, hell no, he ain't throwing four hundred. No. Yeah, but, I'm, ahead, I'm sitting here confused. I'm like this. I know. I'm, I'm gonna get to my I'm gonna get to my point. I'm I'm brain. I'm, I want us to brainstorm right now before I get to my yeah. point. But I was going to say that Matt Flynn, that one game we're talking about, had 480 yards, six touchdowns in the game. He had 480 that in that Detroit game? Yeah, 480 and six in touchdowns the snow, in the snow, bro. Game. Oh, my yeah. Lord. I didn't even know, that that. I know it was close to yeah. 500. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so, so I mean, like I said, we, we debunked him, but I get that, though. Yeah, go ahead. Here's here's my thing, bro. Um. I don't know of any young quarterbacks like CJ Stroud who who did it, who thrown for four, over 400 yards, had four plus touchdowns, and they turned out to be ass or mid. Like to do like that level of production as a young quarterback, bro. Um, like that is a, a talent within itself where you look at them and say, yeah, we got something in a guy like 400 yards. It's 400 yards, no matter how you how you slice it. Wait, and now, what I'm about to insert into the conversation that is not necessarily there's no basis to say this will happen. There's no factual evidence to say that it it will happen. Um, Sam Howell's gotten close to 400 yards a couple times, right? Um, and I think in both those games, though. Uh, Washington lost. I don't have the numbers up in front of me right now, but I think both of those games Washington lost. Um, but I think my thing is with with Sam is he's gotten close a few times, and it's not be. Damn, I hope I, I didn't. I hope y'all didn't hear that. It's not because it's not because he can. Six like what's good. It's it's not because um. You know, he's a terrible quarterback, right? It's not because like they're behind a, a thousand points and he's just playing catch up and 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 these numbers are are accumulating, right? Um, I think the, the Philly game, the last Philly game, he was close to four hundred. And I'm about to double check that one because I think he I think he was close he to four hundred. And reason I was gonna say he was is because someone on Twitter was having last week after the Eagles game, people were trying to tell me I should be convinced of them. And they were like, well, how many quarterbacks, you know, throw for almost 400 yards in a Washington uniform. So <laughs> I know yeah. he was. I'm, 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 yep. I'm looking at it now. He had, he actually had three ninety seven. 
So 397, three yards away from 400. And, and if you complete that pass to Terry in overtime, you're over 400 yards, and you're probably talking about a game-winning field goal or maybe a game-winning touchdown. Who knows? Um, but I, I'm saying all the, I'm saying all that to say when you see those numbers, and, and, and I, it was a long way of getting to AJ and asking him a question, how do you look at a quarterback as mid – or excuse me, not even that. Do you think a young quarterback – like a CJ Stroud or Sam Howell throwing for over 400 yards because he's gotten close twice. The last one was 388 against the Chicago Bears, and that was the loss. Um, the Philly game was the second one where he went for 397. But do you look at a young quarterback who's thrown for over 400 yards in a win and in four plus touchdowns as a person who's me? That's very hard to do. You know, no matter what quarterback to your point, I was gonna say it's hard to do, but he's throwing the ball a lot. He gets a lot of opportunities I don't, to kind of get these yards. I don't. I don't disagree. I <laughs> yeah. don't disagree. Like yeah. that's kind of their that's kind of their system, bro. And and I and I never. I actually I actually insert that opinion when people talk about he's second in the passing yards. But even still, to be second in passing yards is a is a lot to do. Like you yeah. can, you could be you could be a pass first offense and still be like bottom like bottom twelve or bottom but fifteen I, as but a passer. It's all circumstantial, right? When, when we go back to Sunday and look at C.J. Stroud's game, like he threw for five touchdowns, 470 yards on 42 attempts. The ball was distributed all over the field to multiple – to a, a variation of targets. He also led that team to come back to win. I don't, I don't know if it went to overtime or not, but it was a last-second touchdown that gave them the victory. So he played – he played his ass off. Like, I mean, a perfect quarterback rating, essentially. Like, at the end of the day, it looks it looks different. So, for me, I guess I'm not one of those guys that are, like, so caught up in the stats or whatever. But I don't, I don't know what we're really trying to hit home at. We, we kind of know. Th- no, no. My thing is, if you're, if you're confused, my, my thing is, when you look at CJ Stroud, like, even what you said just now, bro. Like there is there is evidence that backs up Sam Howell distributes the ball to a lot of receivers on a given Sunday. Like we know that. So my thing is when I'm looking at these numbers, and again, I said this was something that I was thinking about today. It wasn't like I'm thinking about the the CJ Stroud day, and I'm like, damn, like I don't remember a quarterback so young. Like Kirk Cousins had did it a couple of times. I would say a couple of times here in Washington. I don't know the exact number, but he was already old enough. And on top of that, like we kind of assume we know who Kirk Cousins is as a quarterback. Right. But like you haven't seen a young quarterback, 23, 22 years old in Washington, who was able to do something to the extent of what CJ Stroud did in a win. I'm acknowledging like he, he had two losses, but like he's come close to these numbers that CJ Stroud put up on Sunday. And that's where I'm like, that man, it's, it's a matter of time till he do it. And it's a matter of time till he do it and he wins. And that's why I'm like, bro, like, how can a – do you think a quarterback, a, a mid-quarterback can do something like that, bro? It's not like it's not like the system is setting him up to make some easy throws and, and people taking off for 50 yards. Like, he making some big-time throws in, 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 in a given game. Like, that shit is different. Yeah, I mean, I guess I still go back to it's, it's circumstantial. It's, it's, it's who you're playing defensively. Like, let's say, for example, if Sam Howe put up – 475 touchdowns against the Arizona Cardinals. It doesn't hold the same weight as doing it against the Temple Bay Buccaneers, and especially with their defensive-minded coach and a Todd Bowles and, and what they do from a, a, a schematic standpoint. 
at the end of the day, I feel like any like some people could could be in that situation of having that type of game, but ultimately what we're asking out of the quarterback position is just to be consistent. Like for CJ Stroud, this is his first year. Uh, we already know who he is. He's always been a fast pro- processor. He's been a pocket passer that, you know, for him, he got kind of pushed up and elevated a little bit more because of what we've seen him do outside of the pocket against Georgia. But he's always been a pocket passer, a fast processor, getting the ball out of his hands quick. I still think the argument could be – you could – some people could say C.J. Stroud is mid. Like, <laughs> at the end of the so, day, yeah. it all falls down to the consistency standpoint. Um, it's, it's I will a, say the, the Buccaneers I'm, defense is, is 29th in the NFL, bro. Say that again? The Buccaneers defense is 29th in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not thinking about their defensive ranking. I'm just thinking about who Todd Bowles is as a defensive play caller and how he typically will go he about He was always good against the run. I tell you that. Like, at the end and of the day. he had Darrell Reeves in New York. Talent. They got a lot of talent on that team, so I. That's what I'm saying. I don't look. I don't look at rankings too much. I just go based off of how I know the coaches are going to scheme up for that player that particular week. And to throw 470 is impressive. Sam did it. It would be impressive for that moment, but he's still mid. But we, we also we we, we got also Dre. You got the last concept. thought, so we can get yeah. uh, we get to our guests. I, I want, right. I, but that that's a question for you all. Yeah, you got no, that. I was just gonna say it, we got to also take it into context with Sam that Sam has had issues that CJ hasn't really had to deal with in a sense. Like CJ didn't have to deal with some of the pre-draft questions that Sam had to deal with. Like Sam is actually has to. He has an uphill battle, you know what I mean, as a quarterback. Like, you can come in as a quarterback, you can have a couple of good games, but if people were thinking about your past and how it, where, where you, how, how the, the path that you took to get to where you are, people are looking at that and they're still skeptical of you. And that's, that's kind of the thing that Sam is kind of fighting against. And it's not even just fans. Like, honestly, like our opinions really don't matter. We're just fans. I mean, we can say he's the best or we can say he's horrible, but what matters is the people that has to make the decisions. And right now, no one know who's, who's that going to be next year. <laughs> like we don't know who that's going to be. So Sam has to, he has an uphill battle every day. CJ Stroud is locked in as the franchise guy up there. He can go out there, have a couple bad games and he'll still be the guy. But, you know, as some someone pointed out in the co- comments, C.J. Stroud only has one interception this year. Sam, I think he leads the league, or he's close to the league leaders in uh, interceptions. He, he's been sacked a lot. So he, those are some of the questions that have still been kind of lingering, like is he going to be a better decision maker? Is he going to get the ball out of his hands faster? You haven't really had those questions so far with C.J. Stroud, and plus he doesn't have the uphill battle that Sam Howe has, you know, as a quarterback here. Hey man, um, look, it's it's a it's an interesting conversation. Uh, the comparison was was random. Uh, just given that CJ he just hit what four seventy on the day. So, uh, with all that being said, let's go ahead and get into our guest. Like I mentioned earlier, uh, Stacy Ross was going to be joining us. Uh, Stacy Ross covers the Seattle Seahawks and talks about them and 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 some Seattle sports on. Uh, Seattle Sports Radio. Let me go ahead and make sure I got the thing on. Boom. There we go. Stacey, what's going on? How you doing? Appreciate you joining Hi, us. how are you? I, I can't complain too much. Um, I can't complain too much at all. Uh, I, I remember uh, one of, like, one of the conversations, like, because I, I was telling them 
that we had you on um i think the it was a couple of years back now but yeah. it was the the monday night game with seattle and we were having that conversation about russ and and how the fans were so torn on like what to do with this man who has done so much for seattle over what at that point like a uh a, a, almost a, 10 years a 10 year yeah. yeah 10 year period and we seen how everything is playing out in denver now you y'all traded them y'all made that decision um and then you moved on to geno smith and, and this is where we are right now the geno smith era uh how is everybody in seattle handling the the transition from post rest to now a, a new era with Gino, at least for the, the short term, um, leading the helm? It's very much like a live long enough to see yourself become the villain thing <laughs> with Gino at Uh-oh. this point. Like, so when Russ, at the end of Russ's time here, and, and like preceding the trade rumors, but people felt like there was something, it's the same vibe that NFL fans and Denver fans eventually got, that there was something about him that like wasn't super personable. And like, that's not his fault. It's just, who he is. He's not that personable. He's not that open, but of course people want authenticity all the time. And so um, there was a distrust of him. There was this idea that he was selfish, uh, that he wasn't getting along with Pete and that preceded the trade stuff. So the trade happens. And of course, Seattle who's had the Sonics taken. And at one point the Mariners were going to leave and the Seahawks were going to leave. They're like, how dare you think you're better than us and leave. So there's nothing but hate for Russell. Everyone hated Russell Monday night football hits between the Broncos and Seahawks last year not even that long, maybe like by Gino's first touchdown, which I think was to Will Disley, Gino chants start filling the whole stadium. And Russell had been booed when they had like a thank you message to him. Gino's suddenly like the hero. He can do no wrong. He's signing a man, like a bajillion autographs at the end of the game. Um, in the second half of the year, and he rightfully got comeback player of the year. Second half, there's some sloppy play that comes back in. And that's kind of the version of Gino we've seen this year. Like first half last year, Gino has not been as regular uh, in appearance as as has like a Gino that makes some decision making errors, forces some stuff, presses, will have interceptions. Like kind of the bad version of Gino has popped up for four games. That being said, there's so much context around that. But now you're having like we have a like a text toy for our radio show. Mm-hmm. It's a four hour show. I would say like couple times per hour minimum you'll get someone just out of nowhere they should bench Gino. like it's just <laughs> i don't i'm i think pete carroll is shocked that this is even a conversation he does not see gino as the problem but such is life well, you, now people are like put drew in so, well you so, mentioned context so i, I just want to just to follow up right quick you mentioned context look you got it's a it's a podcast it's not it's not radio you got the floor what's that what's that context that kind of separates the the truth or, or the reality from like the the narratives concerning Gino. So there's some miscommunication issues that just exist by virtue of it's his second year with these guys ultimately, um, and then uh, and it's only a third year offensive coordinator. An example of the miscommunication issues would be uh, his interception when targeting Tyler Lockett against Baltimore was supposed to be an audible that didn't make it to Tyler. So that's something where it's like. Is it ultimately on the quarterback? I don't know if it's like supposed to get to Tyler and it gets lost along the way. Maybe that was someone else, but Gino threw it to the place he thought Tyler would be. He audibled into the play and Tyler wasn't there. So there's an example of like a miscommunication and you've seen a few of those things. And that's been like probably two of his interceptions top of the head that I can think of one to DK in Cincinnati that was 
on DK from a miscommunication. The other big issue um, has been the lack of a healthy offensive line. They have had, I don't even know how many iterations of their offensive line, but they haven't had all five starters on the field together since like the first quarter of week one. So I remember when they were playing the Giants in week four, people were like, oh, Giants team has gone through so many iterations of the offensive line. In that game, the Seahawks had no starters in their original spots. They had one starter remaining and he had swapped from center to guard. They were able to hold it steady through like three, four games, but you're seeing that catch up. So if you're Washington, you're probably like licking your chops a little going, ah, there's some weaknesses here, you know, especially at right tackle right now where they still have backups. Well, Stacey, I can tell you as a Washington fan, everything you're questioning, like, oh, we haven't seen the Geno we want to see yet. We're usually the cure for that. Gino will probably have that game. We're waiting. <laughs> He's going to probably have that game you're waiting to see this weekend. <laughs> oh, I hope so. Um, you know, I think it's going to get with um, – I don't know how your guys' run defense is, but I, Carol has been saying multiple times, you know, like when you guys see press conferences and you get the vibe of like, oh, this is what they're saying in meetings. Like there's some messaging that like you'll just hear from all the players and you're like, okay, this is like a mantra for this week. It's been running the ball. And um, – I think that that would help Gino. Like it, you saw in Carolina, Gino not have his very best game. It was when he had his first interception, and Ken Walker took off in that one. It's not his most yardage, but he was such a huge factor, and that took so much pressure off of Gino from that Carolina front seven. And like that's the kind of game I'd love to see them be able to have against Washington. Well, yeah, what I mean, are you? Oh, great, AJ. You got. It. I was going to say, like, like Drake said, pretty much. Any team that gets to go against Washington that's having some some uh, sluggish it's moments right. or lacking in their game, it it's is a get right, get right game. Yeah, like, <laughs> so I'm pretty sure they will get right, whether that be Geno Smith, uh, Kenneth Walker, DK, whoever. But I guess my question, you know, with you bringing up uh, the miscommunication, it seems like maybe with Geno, the rest of the offense, those weapons with DK, Tyler, and uh, also the offensive coordinator who happens to be a former Washington Redskins um, quality control assistant and is getting some buzz around NFL circles of possibly getting a head coaching opportunity next year, Shane Waldron. Is it his play calling that might be more so affecting the Seahawks offensively, or is it truly boiling down to Geno Smith maybe getting caught on with the league as far as, how they plan to utilize his skills, his traits uh, in comparison to last year where it was like, that's not the guy we're expecting to really right. fail. Uh, now right. this, we have a whole year to game plan against Gino and how they utilize, you know, DK, Tyler, and even, you know, Jackson Smithy Jigba really hasn't had a breakout um, yeah. moment yet. But that's what I really wanted to ask you. Is it Shane Waldron? Is it Gino Smith being caught on? by the league or what exactly is the office of woes uh, at this point? I think it's, um, I think Seattle can solve a lot of their offensive woes, which to me means it's more in-house than it is the rest of the league catching on. Like Gino's going to make mistakes. Um, and you guys know, I mean, like I'm sure you've had starters where, you know, there's just something that they struggle against and everyone kind of knows by the end of their career, it'll be like, Oh, Russell Wilson struggles against quarters or whatever it is. Like, you're kind of used to the league finding that out. Um, with Gino, I mean, he can be a type of quarterback that, like, if you keep him protected, if you get the run game going, 
he shouldn't be making a ton of mistakes. Like the offense isn't going to call on him to do a lot. Um, they had a lot of explosive plays with Russell Wilson, even in the one year that he had with Shane Waldron. You aren't seeing a ton of that this year from Seattle. Um, I think that what I like a lot of what Waldron does, especially incorporating the tight ends. He eventually became a tight end coach, obviously from that system. So that background doesn't make any surprise, but there's like little bits and pieces missing that I think are just the byproduct of being a young offensive coordinator, like an example. And I'm going to point to my co-host. I have to give him credit for this because he's a former player. I'm not. So I needed this insight from him, uh, but he's a wide receiver. So he's used to looking at the game that way. And he's like, you know, against Baltimore, one thing that this offense still sometimes lacks is in-game adjustments. So against Baltimore, they clearly thought they'd have more time to get some deep shots than they did, but they didn't adjust and have any hot routes. Like there was no adjustment and like quick dump off options for Gino, even in the face of pressure, they just kept trying to throw it deep and like no plays could develop. And he's like, that's something that like, I know Shane is smart enough to figure that out. I'm sure he's figuring it out looking at the tape, but like, I wonder if more experienced people adjust mid game and they say, Hey, we're throwing that game plan out. We're throwing the script out. We're adding hot routes. We're doing whatever it is. So that part of the, I think, development of the offense is still missing. So sometimes when a game goes bad, it doesn't get much better. <laughs> yeah, and I was just going to, oh, go ahead. No, yeah, I was just going to ask real quick, and this could be fantasy implications for me. I mean, but also <laughs> <laughs> for the team implications as well. But Jackson Smith and Jigba, you know, the first round pick for Seattle, what's the vibe around him? Is it starting to feel like maybe he's about to have that breakout performance soon? Is he going to start getting more looks soon? What, what's the vibe around Seattle for him? So I, I think they've been trying to feed the ball to DK a lot, and it hasn't been uh, as effective. I don't know why. I have no idea what's going on with that, but like they've been kind of stubborn about it. So you haven't seen Jackson get as much attention as he probably deserves. Um, he had his best game in a loss against Cincy. And I thought that from there, they would just kind of click and keep targeting him because he is so smooth. Like I, he deserves more targets than he's getting just based on play alone. Like if you just watch him run his routes, he'll still make rookie mistakes. But I, it, like, it doesn't quite make sense to me. I think they just are fortunate to have so many targets as an offense that like I'm shocked that they're able to have like two 1,000 yard receivers. Like they've got tight ends, they've got their running backs. Um, now they've got Jackson, they've got five good wide receivers. So I think it's just a numbers game with him. I think that they would like to get him more involved. Um, and I think too, like, look, if DK is not going to seize all those opportunities he was getting, he's like five of 14 a couple games ago, then those are going to start going to other people. So I would not be surprised to see Jackson. I don't know if it'll be this game, but I think they very much would love to get him more involved. So for me, um, you had mentioned just the, for, for this year and Gino and the offense, it's been a consistency issue and that's really plagued them. Um, I was looking at the, just the, the baseline stats for Baltimore and it was just what first, first downs accumulated. He only had six. Yes. On the day. And 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 that in itself, I can imagine it's like I'm ready to cut the game off. Like <laughs> it is what it is. But um, like overall perspective, like I stats aren't what they are, but you know, kind of more in detail to, to paint the picture that a defense with Bobby Wagner in, and obviously you got mm-hmm. Leonard Williams for a reason, um, to help out that side of the ball. Um, is only 25th in yards, and I'm sure there's a story behind that side of the ball too. 
Um, yeah. What has been going on with the season that Seattle has had defensively as well in terms of being able to actually just help out the offense? Yeah, so Seattle's defense started out really slow. So the yards per game is heavily weighed towards the first like three games of the season where the pass defense was just atrocious and no one could figure out what was going on um, when they had that much talent, right? Like we knew who Reek Wollen was. Um, Devin Witherspoon obviously didn't start game one, but starting with that Giants game, the, the defense started to take off. And from like that game to prior to last week, they were one of the top defenses in the league. So when you look at those stats, it's not necessarily reflective of who they are. And in fact, if they didn't have that game against Baltimore when they allowed 290-something yards on the ground, I'd be like, hey, the defense you're seeing in the stats is not the defense you're going to see on Sunday. Like, they're so much better. But they really took a hit. Like, they looked like the worst version of themselves, the version of them that fans had seen last year when they were 30th against the run and the year before when they were 31st against the pass. They just – I think there's some tendencies sometimes for Pete Carroll teams to, like – I don't know if it's people finding soft spots in the zone, miscommunications, uh, you know, with linebackers, whatever it is. Like, they just kind of fall victim to the same stuff once in a while. Um, but the defense uh, is getting more physical. Devin Witherspoon is really developing. Um, I think Jamal is developing a bit more and getting a little more confident. And uh, if Jordan Brooks is out there, he was a non-participant. But Jordan Brooks is really, really underrated as a player. He's having a solid season. Yeah, another another guy too uh, that's that's coming on and coming into his own as a pass rusher is, is Boy Mafe, my my guy. So yeah, uh, that's somebody I expect to have a, a a good game against this Washington team, and um, it's supposed to be raining if I'm not mistaken, which isn't surprising in Seattle on Sunday. It's uh, raining. <laughs> like right now it's raining it will make for an interesting game for that defense I think that they'll probably get a lot of chances to get their their uh, hands on the ball pause (laughs) (laughs) well I was I was I was saying this much (laughs) I would say this much um I I think at least the the good thing for for Seattle and and even Washington that's one of the reasons why I brought it up, I think the good thing for Seattle, even Washington, that you said, Stacey, is that like the shit, the Baltimore game was kind of a an anomaly in the sense of like the way yeah. things were trending. Um, two, it's a two parter. What do you think about Sam Howe um, from from your eyes and your lens, but also like your your general observations of like how this Washington offense matches up with the Seattle uh, Seattle defense. Stacey, um, don't lie to us. Be honest. We want to honestly. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> I'm just to to keep it a thousand. I am seeing this as a get right game for Seattle. Not to look past Washington. I think it's gonna be close. Like I think it'll be close, almost too close for comfort for Seahawks fans. But I just really like Seattle's roster. And when I look at Washington's roster, you guys have obviously receiving weapons that I really like. Um, some some you know defensive lineman obviously yeah but like to me it's like we I, we talked with john kime earlier today and we asked him like hey outside of sam howell who's the most pleasant surprise and he was like i don't know <laughs> and he's not and he's not Truly. wrong Stacey, he's it's not a mid roster <laughs> so we ask that every time because we think they're gonna say like oh this rookie like if you guys were like who's the most pre- pleasant surprise i would have said boy i would have been like this guy's so sneaky good he'll you know jump out of nowhere and there was no one. He could think of nobody. But on the flip side, the surprise with Sam Howell is, is potentially like franchise altering if it 
if he's the guy. And so I obviously haven't seen him play in person. Mm -hmm. I'm really, really curious to see, you know, if he looks like the real deal, if he has some of those special moments. It it hasn't been, uh, Seattle hasn't had that since, I mean, just by virtue of Gino being older since Russ's like first or second year and I wasn't covering them. So like, I always like seeing when franchises think they might have something special because those quarterbacks are so rare. And so there's an opportunity for Washington that I'm like almost envious of if it's the real deal. <laughs> but I don't know enough about Sam. I'm just going off of uh, the two Washington re- reporters we spoke with being like, I think he might be. Yeah, I think I think it would be a great test for him. Uh, being, yeah. one, being one that, that spent time in Seattle under the LOB uh, uh, moment with Cam Chancellor and stuff. That 12th man is real. Like, yeah, it's probably one of the closest atmospheres that you'll get to a collegiate level uh, in the NFL ranks. It, it's real. So when you incorporate that 12th man in the weather conditions and also how aggressive Seattle and Pete Carroll and his team are uh, from just a physicality standpoint defensively, you could really you could learn a lot about Sam Howell uh, <laughs> on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very, very excited to see that. And there, there, are, without like knocking the team I covered, there are opportunities for him for sure on Sunday. Oh, definitely. So, Stacy, what are some of your? Let's kind of actually outline this whole thing. What is some of your keys to the game, at least from Seattle's perspective? Yeah. Um, knowing your opponent, what are some of your keys to the game? Um, and then also, uh. I, look, I don't have no problem with you saying it's a get right game, right? Because like we 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 it's just, it's a it's a reputation for Washington. Um yeah. things happen and, and for whatever reason it's been happening so long as Ron Rivera has been the head coach here. So it is what it is. But what are some of your keys to the game for Seattle? Um what are y'all looking for? But also like what is your uh prediction in terms of what happens on Sunday at 425 Eastern? So um, keys for the game would be number one, avoiding turnovers, which, hi, a key for every team everywhere. But um, Geno Smith has eight in his last four games. That is not good. Yeah, he has six interceptions. Two of those are in the red zone. He has two fumbles. Like, it's just been a weird stretch of games, like the worst version of, of ball control. So they had, I think, three turnovers against Arizona, but it's the Cardinals. I, I don't know that you can afford those kinds of turnovers against every team, even teams that are up and down, right? Even teams that are still trying to figure themselves out. So no turnover turnovers. Second is getting the run game going. It's just taking the pressure off of Gino. When your offensive line is banged up, you want to be as multidimensional as you can to just be able to get the defense to, I guess, buy into you a little bit more. Otherwise, they know exactly what you're doing. Um, so looking a little more like Carolina as opposed to how they did against Baltimore. Um, they have a guard um, who is maybe not playing and, and he's their rookie and he's really good. So if they don't have him, um, I think that there's opportunity for Washington's pass rush for sure to get involved. Um, those are kind of my two big ones. And then the third one, I mean, maybe for your fantasy team, maybe I'm rooting for a big Uh-oh. game for, for JSN, you know, like just for someone to like, I want to see a name like pop on the stat sheet after the game, like something big needs to happen not just for this team to win but like you have and it's very unfair but you have a fan base that's like this sounds stupid but they're so used to their team like winning it's not like Seattle's even been to a Super Bowl since their last visit back in Super Bowl 49 but like 
the the bar is so unfairly high sometimes for quarterbacks um and especially right here in seattle so i think the fans kind of want to see something big so i'd love a like a big game from jsn big game from gino well, Stacey, I can tell you, we've been waiting a long time for some good quarterback play here yeah. in Washington. I was watching a Married with Children episode that aired in 1994, and they were talking about our quarterback issues. No. <laughs> we haven't fixed it since. Hey, bro, what? <laughs> so, hey, oh, I never said yes. that before. They were roasting us in a 94 episode. They said the what? They said, and when Al Bundy got to DC, he said. What is DC known for? Because he called us brotherly love. And they said, no, that's not DC. Al said, what are they known for? What is DC known for? They said, oh, the team without a quarterback. Oh. We still don't have a <laughs> Well, maybe Sam is the guy, hey, but it's crazy, been years. <laughs> do you, can I ask you, do you guys think Sam is the guy? I want AJ to answer first. Yeah, let, let AJ answer. He's let the AJ answer first. Yeah, he, <laughs> uh, Sam Sam has shown some, some positive things, but ultimately for me, and just like my my background as like an Asian and evaluating talent, um, I think that from a mental standpoint, I don't think he has it from uh, the neck up. I, I think that he has arm strength. Uh, I think that he at times tries to play hero ball, but to say a franchise quarterback, I, I don't see that. Uh, and that's just compiling like his time at UNC and so far what he's been able to do in Washington. And I also don't think this organization is in a position to, to wait for him to develop. Uh, yeah. As we all know, like a lot of guys are getting moved around and shuffled in the league at quarterback and teams are very impatient with that process. I don't think that they have the time to necessarily see if he'll be able to overcome those hurdles as far as processing the game at a faster level. There's a reason why he has taken the most sacks in the league, and that's from a mental standpoint. Um, yeah, I just don't know if he'll ever overcome that. So I guess, like, the conversation in Washington right now is, is Sam a top 15 quarterback, which to me is an argument about mid. Like, I don't want a mid quarterback. Yeah. I, want, I want for my team, whether it be Washington or any team that you root for, you want a top 10 quarterback. You want someone that's elite. Uh, so yeah, that's my answer, and that's why they put me up here to answer that first for you, because they know <laughs> I'm gonna tell you straight up. I think he's mid, and I'm not quite sure if he'll turn the corner for the better, and if they're in a position to even wait for that. Another uh, another element before I pass it to my co-host to answer, he's going to be a third year player next year, so you have to make a decision on this yeah. guy sooner than later, because even from a business standpoint his team that represents him is not going to want their guy to be a starting quarterback at this league, making $1 million for the entire season, not per game, but for the entire season. So, yeah. And Stacy, I'm going to say before I give my opinion that we wanted AJ to go first because AJ has been consistent in his takes on Sam Howell since day one, since day one, he's pretty much told you that Sam Howell's never going to be anything, <laughs> but I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I'm speaking for uh, Maul, but I will say for me at least, it's still a wait and see. I'm probably like the oldest Washington fan of the panel, um, so I've been watching a long time. And as I've mentioned earlier, I haven't seen really good quarterback play for like 30 years. See, I mean, Kirk Cousins. I mean, he had a pretty 
decent run. I mean, we wouldn't call it a superstar run or anything. Right, Her right. cousins is somewhere in that 12 to 16 range of quarterbacks, maybe. But with Sam Howell, I don't want to, you know, crown him right now because we've seen quarterbacks have good games. I mean, hell, we were just talking about Matt Flynn and how he had a 480-yard game and six touchdowns, and he went to Seattle and Russell And that got him a contract. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, um, and, and also – we, we have to acknowledge as well that we don't know who's making the decisions in Washington next year. We don't know that whoever comes in here is going to want to invest in Sam Howell or if they're going to want their own guy. So right now it's kind of hard to attach to the guy without knowing that he's going to be here for a while or he's going to be that guy. And he still has a lot of time to prove that. I mean, if he puts out more of what he's been doing the last couple of games here, I think it's going to be hard for the next person, whoever that may be, to come in and say, hey, I don't want this guy. They may say, hey, he's on a cheap contract. You know, we may not be completely sold on him, but he can be at least a placeholder and show us that maybe he can be that guy or we'll still get our guy while he's that bridge guy. So right now, you know, I might speak for a lot of commander fans and saying that, you know, it's still a wait and see process and I don't want to crown him or say that he can't be that guy right now. It's still too early to say so. And Stacey, Dre pretty much just told you he's mad as well. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but look, no, but look, no. I would, I would say this. I would say this. If if AJ thinks that, I would say, um, at the very least, the the book isn't closed on Sam, right? I think that he's just in this space where, um, he's navigating as a young quarterback in the NFL, trying to trying to get better and, and learn what he's saying and and pro- process what he's saying and like make building blocks to become a better quarterback. I've seen some things like through the tape where, um, you know, a, from a week to week standpoint, he's gotten better at some things. And, and but I think there's one thing that's always see now. AJ mentioned arm strength, but I think arm talent is 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 the ultimate thing. Like that's just as important. And and he's made some throws that we ain't seen in in years in Washington. Yeah. And and like that's something where it's like it, somebody can try to negate it, but at the end of the day. Like if you if you only compare the, the type of stuff that you didn't see from Sam to Kirk, who is like a franchise quarterback and viewed as a franchise quarterback, not saying he's an elite person, but he's viewed as a franchise quarterback, then you have something that you're working with. So for me, I'm still in waiting see mode, but I'm not going to be able to deny like some of the stuff that we're seeing. Like if if he can't shake the the sacks and like the boneheaded mistakes from his perspective, what mm-hmm. he's personally responsible for. Hey man, you gotta make a tough decision, and that's unfortunate. Yeah, it, it is what it is. Um, uh, but Stacey, I appreciate you joining us. I want to make sure that you get your prediction in before we 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 give oh. you the floor to, to let everything out. I, I, it's it's we do it every we do it every week. Um, but I, I want to make sure you get your prediction in. Um, so so that people know where you stand, and um, but you ain't gonna be held held against it. You know, it's just an, it's just a prediction. Yeah, Monday. Wow, Stacy really <laughs> messes up. No, I'm gonna keep it uh, relatively boring. Neither are averaging a ton of points, but they have opportunities against each other. So I'll go in the 20s. I think it's gonna be close. So I'll go like an like an easy like a like a 24, you know, 21 kind of game, 24 20 type. 24 20 type. <laughs> we need a winner, Stacy. <laughs> oh, uh, well, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm going to take this off. So. Oh, yeah, <laughs> okay. for sure. I, uh, hey, ain't wrong know, it, it, I just think, you know, I, I'm, I'm feeling a Seahawks win in this one. They're at home. That energy is real. The crowd is insane. And, um, and I, we were, we interviewed uh, Leonard Williams today. And I think that there's this human aspect to like just playing football that like I regularly forget about, which is like, 
sometimes you got to be in the right headspace to have the right game. Not always, but sometimes. And I just think that, you know, like guys are starting to get in the right headspace. They want to bounce back. They really want to come out and get a win. Like it just, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I think that this matches up well for Seattle. We will see, but I'll take the Seahawks. Absolutely. AJ, Dre, let's get about here with our predictions, bro. Where, where we at, Dre? You got the floor first, man. I'm with Stacy. I know Stacy didn't want to say it, but hey, I think the <laughs> Seattle also wins. I mean, honestly, I mean, I, I see it around 27 20 this week. I just see a pissed off Seattle team after that big loss to the Ravens. They got a lot to play for to come at home. And historically, Washington never really plays well in Seattle. Um, Stacy, I don't know if you were covering the team or around the team around the time where we were losing to these guys in the playoffs every year in the mid 2000s. <laughs> so um, that was one of the things we've never really looked good up there. And, you know, I think we're coming off a game where we probably might be smelling ourselves a little bit too much. And I know that's stupid to say or even crazy to think, but it's Washington. That's just what we do. <laughs> we just won't barely beat a mid-Patriots team. And I don't know if we're going to have that, you know, swagger or bravado we need going into Seattle. So I got Seattle winning 27-20. Yeah, I think uh, this is a perfect week in the NFL scriptwriters' uh, playbook. You know, kind of like when you watch your favorite TV show and you watch a mid-ass episode. And, uh, <laughs> a <week>. filler. <laughs> if you're a Seattle Seahawks fan, get prepared because this is going to be almost like a season, a season finale. <laughs> you are going to get right. You are going to get all your pictures in. Geno Smith is going to look like an MVP. Kenneth Walker might run for 120. DK might have two touchdowns. JSN may get over 100 yards. It's, it's get-right season. For this team to travel from, from D.C. to Seattle, I know they leave tomorrow, but still, and, and play in those conditions. And like I said, it's not too many NFL um, stadiums that replicate a college-type atmosphere. I think it would be hard for Washington to go in there and get a victory if they if they pull it off. I think all of us on this panel will be highly impressed, but mm -hmm. I see Seattle winning this game overall. Look, well, hey, I peeped you and give a score prediction, but I'm gonna let you, I'm gonna let you live, AJ. Um, but look, man, last time, last time I've been to Seattle, bro, for a game, Washington won on the Josh Doxson catch, right? Did well, right. Rob, Ke who was it? Rob Kelly that scored, but Josh Doxson caught the ball. Yeah, it was, bro. That, the environment. Yeah, I'm about to say the environment in Seattle is incredible. I love it. Like, I, if there was one game that I would have went to in terms of the road game, it would have been this one. But um, as much as my luck is important for Washington, um, I don't it doesn't matter because I'm not gonna be there. Um, and I think Washington, <laughs> I think Washington is not going is it's not gonna look good for these boys. Um, and I don't think it would have mattered if I was there or not. Um, I'm looking, <laughs> I'm looking at like 30, 31, 21 Seattle. Wow. Um, I don't I don't think this one's gonna be that close. Um, I don't know how like the score ends up like coming within like a 10 point game or something like that, or even like within one possession. But I I, th I just think for, for Washington, they're in a situation where like even their defense got blessed because they had a terrible quarterback in Mac Jones that they went up against or who had a terrible day. Yeah. Um, I don't think Geno Smith is a terrible quarterback. I even went into this year thinking that Geno Smith was a top 10 quarterback. But it may have been the case he had a top 10 season, um, the way I'm hearing from Stacey. So um, either way, like that that type of Geno was still around. Um, so yeah. I'm going to say 31-21 uh, uh, Seattle. Uh, they win the game, um, and, and Washington falls to 4-6, and six, man. It is what it is.
Hey, hey um, Chase, before we get out of here, can I ask you a quick question? Because we ended up signing a former Seattle Seahawks player, and I think we probably – we haven't been able to focus on him the past couple of weeks because he unfortunately got hurt. What were your thoughts of Cody Barton while he was Oh, Lord Jesus. So, oh, that's a good question. I forget. <laughs> With Cody Barton, great guy. <laughs> like, we interviewed him a couple times. That's the that worst thing. Really good. Good. I'm about to say. Once Martin, it becomes off the field before on the field. <laughs> I will say this about Cody Barton. I don't want to, like, dog on any players. Like, I, like it's always, you know, Cody Barton, if he were a backup, were, would be, like, one of the best backups. Like, you'd be like, wow, the depth that they have at linebacker. Um, but when I think of Cody Barton, I just think of last season, specifically against Detroit, where there's this TJ Hawkinson, like, 70-something yard. I don't remember if it was a touchdown or – just a, a completion. It was mostly yards after catch, obviously. Mm-hmm. And there were just so many missed tackles. And it's not all on Cody Barton, but there was some horrible miscommunication. And and Cody was right in the middle of some of those plays. So I, I look, don't know that Seahawks fans regret. Miss him. Yeah. Oh, well, the good thing is he won't be playing this weekend, so we don't have to worry about that. <laughs> yeah, I'm about to say that, that. That's it. Like, you you summed up some shit that we had going on over here. So it ain't it ain't no different. Yeah, <laughs> it ain't no different. But hey, Stacy, that's gonna wrap it up for us. Uh, Dre, AJ, I see you in the background. You you probably laughed yourself out in it and exited the studio <laughs> on accident. Um, but that's gonna wrap it up for us. We'll be back on Sunday to to recap the game. Uh, Stacy, you can well, matter of fact, you can start, find her. What's your uh, matter of fact, I give you the floor. What's your handle? Because I, I didn't exit out of everything. Oh, it's anyway. uh, it's at my name, S T A C Y R O S T. Boom, there it is, Stacy Ross. Um, again, we'll be back Sunday to, to recap everything that happened. Hopefully it is Washington, but you kind of see what our predictions are. Uh, Stacey, you take care. Enjoy your weekend and, and be safe. I appreciate you joining us. See you guys. All right. Here we go. Peace. Damn, set, huh. Watch him throw the ball. We're going to pick it off. You're going to let him hit the hole or you're going to cut it off. You're going to play through fourth and long or you're going to punt it off. Your defenders have you hit us. Put your pads in. Don't be looking for the ref to throw no flags in. Keep the helmet on, keep the cleats tight. You the type to want to win by any means, right? You should look alive. This is Trapper Dive. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.